How many of you guys can remember the first time you ever walked into church? Like, like the first time you ever went to a church. Was it weird for you? Was it strange? Like, these people are doing stuff different than I do stuff. You remember that time? Maybe it's the first time for somebody here, so hopefully it's not that weird. <laughs> um, if you ever get a chance, here's what I want you to encourage you to do. Go on YouTube and Google, I'm a fool for Christ, whose fool are you? And what that is, is that's the testimony of John Wimber. John Wimber was, I just without getting into detail, the pastor, founding pastor of the Vineyard Church in the, in the 70s or 60s. I don't even know the exact timing, but go and just watch that video. It's about an hour and 30 minutes long or so, and it's his testimony, okay? Now, John Wimber, was, uh, um, he was in the music industry. He was the somebody, the guy who developed or produced or put together the Righteous Brothers, if you've heard of the Righteous Brothers. So he was the guy that was involved in that that uh, musical group, and he wasn't one of the Righteous Brothers, but like the, the manager or something. He put the band together. Anyways, um, he gives his testimony, and his testimony, is, it's funny, it's, it's, in, it's encouraging, it's entertaining, but in his testimony, he talks about the first time he walked into church and how it was just weird for him because, like, he's been in Las Vegas doing the music thing and doing the shows until 3 in the morning, and, you know, he goes to church, and he walks up, and his first thing was, where does he put his cigarette out at? He, he didn't know where to put, you know, his cigarette out. And uh, churches typically don't have places to put their cigarettes out. We, we actually realized we don't have a place to put people to put their cigarettes out. So we just recently bought one of those little butt huts, so it should get here this week. So if you're a smoker, you can just walk up and put it in the butt hut from here on out. So um, we just, but he, you know, so he goes, to, it's just entertaining to listen to his testimony about how his his perspective from somebody who had never, he had never met Jesus, didn't know anything about church, and he's walking in the church, and people are, you know, wearing flowers and suits, and, and here, give me your kid, I'll take your kid and put your kid here, and, and you sit here, and then, you know, being in the music industry, the choir started singing, and it was terrible, and it's just, I mean, I know some of you guys have seen this video, but watch it, because it gives a, a great perspective for why, as the Vineyard Movement and as Branches Vineyard Church, a core value for us is that we pursue culturally relevant missions in the world. So that's what we're talking about today, pursuing culturally relevant missions. And, and really what that means is, is being a people that can relate to people who don't go to church. So when we share the gospel, we share the gospel in such a way that somebody can understand it. And it's not, we don't, you know, we're not just using big um, Bible language that nobody understands. It's simple that. Hudson Taylor was this guy who, um, in the 1800s, heard a call from God. He's an English, he was an English guy, to go be a missionary in China. I, I grew up hearing about Hudson Taylor. He was like one of my dad's heroes. And Hudson Taylor, when he heard the call to be a missionary, he started prepping to go to China. And so what he did was he he sold everything. He moved near the seaport. He took a job. He started studying the Chinese culture from any book, any material he can, he can get his hands on. He started learning the Chinese language. He, he, he submitted himself to only eating food that China, Chinese people would eat. So rice, a lot of rice. And just he went for a total Chinese diet to get himself ready to go to China. So he shows up in China and excitedly he goes, he's in the Shanghai area, and he, he goes out 
on these several gospel preaching journeys. And he goes out to preach the gospel to the Chinese people with the, with the amount of Chinese he had learned. And he goes out and after several times of preaching the gospel, zero results. Zero results at all. So he, he chooses to adopt the Chinese dress. Now, this is the 1800s, so it's different. You know, the Eastern dress, he, he chooses that. He shaves his forehead and grows the Chinese traditional um, ponytail. Now, for some of us, the shaving of the forehead wouldn't be the struggle. It would be the actual growing of the ponytail, right, Steve? So I see your forehead, buddy. Um, but um, I can say that because it's me, you know. But so, so he, he adopts the dress and immediately starts getting results as he preaches the gospel. Immediately. He finds out that when he used to go out and preach the gospel, he, they were calling him the black devil. Because he would, he would go into the countryside, into these villages, and show up in this long black overcoat, British-style dress that he would wear. And they would, it was just weird to them. They couldn't relate to this person who was coming in this weird form of dress to preach to them, and they just said, oh, the black devil's coming. And so he, he simply adopted the dress of the culture that he went to preach the gospel to, and results started happening simply by, by becoming and, 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 and allowing himself to merge into the culture of, of the people that God had called him to. He saw results. And so this morning we're going to continue with the, 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 the core value of pursuing um, relevant missions in the gospel and, and what we need to think about is as we reach into Warsaw and, and as we reach into the world, we need to be culturally relevant to those that we're reaching. And what that means is that when we go out, the gospel message that we preach stays the exact same. We don't do anything to change the message that's here in the Bible. But our methods, our approach, the words we use, the way we share it needs to be ever-evolving. We, we need to change as the culture changes. So, so this is what that means. It means that, that as, as we approach people and we approach cultural change, we adjust how we share the gospel. It, that's as simple what it means. We, we, can't, we can't go into Warsaw and preach the gospel the same way we would go to, into Thailand and preach the gospel. We can't go to Russia and preach the gospel the same way we're going to preach to people here in Warsaw. Just culturally, the, there's, there, the connection will be lost. And so we need to be people that are... are always changing how we share the gospel. We need to be relevant to the people that we're sharing it to. Now, just remember, we never, ever, ever change the gospel message. We don't water it down. We don't, we don't switch it up to make it sound you know, less harsh if, it, if you feel like it sounds harsh. We never change that, but we ever, always ever need to be changing our approach and how we, how we relate to people. And a lot of churches saw success in the 1950s and 1960s with... with Growth. They, churches grew, and, and we have churches in our community that you could drive all over the, the country and see churches that were built in the 50s and 60s. They saw a lot of growth, and here's the problem that I've seen as I've traveled. A lot of these churches are using this same, same strategy to share the gospel that they, that they were using in the 50s and 60s that brought all the growth. They haven't switched anything. And as you walk through the doors of these churches, you find that if you're even in your 40s or 50s, you're the, you're the youngster in the church. And the church is slowly dying. And as soon as that 80-year-old person that's been there since the 50s and 60s dies, the church dies. And, and it's a sad thing to see that, that, that you, they would hold on to a, a process that worked in the 50s and 60s and not adapt to the cultural change. Okay, so, so the church that Joe and I grew up in, or that we 
grew up in, that we met in and got married through was a church in, in Southern California in an urban city. It was a church of about 2,000 people. This church, um, because of the culture that they were reaching, was a hip-hop type church. So just picture like a 50-year-old pastor with white hair, like doing this stuff on stage. But he was able to pull it off. And the church grew and salvations happened. And, and the church, because of the, the culture, they, there was a lot of people who, who didn't have vehicles, who, who, were, who rode the, the city buses to and from work and school and all that. So the church employed a bus ministry, which they had several giant Greyhound buses. And they would go throughout the city and, and bus hundreds of people a week to church. And that was normal because it was in, the, in, a, in an environment where people were coming to church from 20, 25 miles away. Now, in our community, we wouldn't necessarily employ a big bus ministry, would we? Most, most people have cars. And if, if, if somebody doesn't have a car, we, we have enough cars to pick people up. We, we're probably not going to pull off a big hip-hop thing, Dave. Just You can give up that dream. Grandmaster D. You understand the idea? In the culture that we're in, we need, to, we need to speak the language. We need to dress the dress. We need to talk to talk. We need to listen to the music. We need to, we need to, we need to be the people of the culture that we're in. Here, here's what the vineyard, the vineyard statement on being culturally relevant says. You can read it up here. It says, the church exists for the sake of those who are exiled from God. Just remember that. The church isn't necessarily for the Christian that's mad at the church that they just left. The church is for those that don't go to church. We are called to bring the gospel of the kingdom to every nook and cranny of creation, faithfully translating the message of Jesus into a language and forms that are relevant to diverse people and cultures. We seek to plant churches that are culturally relevant in a wide variety of settings locally and internationally. Each vineyard church is encouraged to reach those in its community not already reached by the existing churches. To this end, we promote a creative, entrepreneurial, and innovative approach to ministry that is faithful to Jesus and expresses his heart to reach those who are far away from God. When we plant this church in Warsaw, we, we realize that we don't want to look like every church in town. We, we said there's, there's a reason why we feel like we're different, and some of it is our, our core value. Some of it is what makes us distinctive, and those, those you can find in some of our literature on our website. Why are we different? And, and part of it is that we just are a come-as-you-are kind of people. We, we welcome people from all walks of life, all shapes and sizes. Really, the only thing that changes, that, that stays the same for us, is the gospel message. Who Jesus is, who God is, and, and our mission here on earth. And that's, and that's why we see ourselves different. So a success for Branches Vineyard Church is that we fill these seats with people who don't come to church. You know, I think a lot of you probably came from another church, Right? A lot of you, you know, did, weren't connected with your church or didn't find, didn't find relationships, and you came here, and, that, and that's okay. And it's okay that people will come to church, to branches from other churches, but ultimately we need to fill these, these pews, these, these seats with, with people who, who don't go to church. And in order to do that, we need to be culturally relevant. So, so if you have your Bible, open to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I just want to look at, at, at the life of Paul and, and what Paul did to be culturally relevant in his time. And it's ch- chapter 9, verse ni- 19. And you can read, if you have your Bible, or you can read up on the screen. It says this, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. 
When I was with the Jews, I lived like the Jews to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I live apart from the law so I could bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find some common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in his blessings. So here's Paul, and Paul, Paul's you know, a planter of churches. He's a he's, you know, writer of a lot of our New Testament. And, and Paul lays out in these few verses his, his goal, his strategy, and his commitment for being culturally relevant. And we could take from this, and we could, we could pull, a, pull out just a few kind of thoughts, and we could commit those in our lives. So the first thing that Paul shares with us that, that we see in this writing that we need to have is a goal. Paul, we, Paul had a goal. We need to have a goal. And, and our goal is, is what Paul says like five times in this scripture, that our goal is to bring people to Christ. That's our goal. As our church, our goal is to bring people who are, who are removed from God to God. That's a pretty easy goal, right? Paul says this five times. He says, when I'm with the Jews, I, I act like the Jew. Why? To bring the Jews to Christ. Did we lose that scripture there, Holly? I'm sorry. I just wanted to see. Um, no, go back a couple slides. There you go. I just wanted to see if something was underlined, but it's not. Okay, so, so Paul, you know, his goal with the Jewish people when he's around them is to bring them to Christ. His goal with the, with the Gentiles is to bring them to Christ. His goal is to, to for those that are under the law to bring them to Christ. His goal for the weak is to bring them to Christ. Our goal needs to be that we bring people to Christ. Why is this, why is this important? Why is it important that we as a church want to be culturally relevant with a goal to bring people to Christ? One is because people need Jesus. Pretty simple answer, right? People need Jesus. Another thought is that there's this thing called the wrath of God or condemnation of God. And, and I think sometimes as a church we forget that. That we want to see people come to Christ so our church will grow. And we lose the heart of people need to come to Christ because people are going to die and go to hell. God hates sin. Jesus is the answer to sin. People need to come to Jesus because of sin in their life and to be covered by what Jesus did on the cross. And it's our job to bring people to Christ. And so, so that's what Paul says. He, he, he does the things he does to bring people to Christ. Romans 5.9 says this, in case you are arguing in your head with what I just said. Since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ... He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. 1 Thessalonians 10, 1-10. Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, he is the one who has rescued us from the terror of the coming judgment. We have to be people with a goal to see those away from Christ come to him and be rescued. And we do this by being culturally relevant. We do this by meeting people where they're at, not not asking them to come and meet us where we're at. And so we need to employ a strategy to do that, okay? So the strategy that Paul lays out is first he says he becomes a slave. Verse 19, he says, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Here's what this means. Slave, as a, as a person who's a slave to Christ, that's a high calling. When you look at, at all the books that Paul wrote in the Bible, 
he'll always say, you know, he'll do a greeting, and he'll say something like, a slave of Christ or a bondservant of Christ. And he, 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 he prefers to put that in front of his name or describe who he is by saying he's a slave than to say, I'm the apostle who got Jesus met on the road and changed my life and I've planted all these churches. He doesn't give himself a title of that. He puts himself as a slave. And being a slave means that we give up our rights in order for the betterment of the kingdom of God. We have the freedom to do what we want. We have the freedom to act as we, as we want. We're no longer under this law that, the, that, that, that we find in the Old Testament. We're free from that because of Jesus Christ. But we choose to say, no, I'm going to be a slave so that some will come to Christ. And, and a slave in this, in this, in this description is, is a bondservant, is a person who, who has the choice to be free but says, no, instead I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit myself under you and serve you for my life. And so we choose to do that, and that's, that's a great thing. In a, in a rebuttal that, that was of some criticism that the Pope wrote about Martin Luther in 1520, Martin Luther wrote this, this document called The Freedom of a Christian. And he wrote this. He said, a Christian is a, is a perfectly free Lord of all and subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant subject to all. Do you see that? We're Lord of all. We're free. We have all, all the freedom we want. We don't have to be subject to anybody. But as Christians, we dutifully make ourselves servants and subject to all. Why? So that our goal can be reached of seeing people come to Jesus. So our first strategy is we become a slave. We say, I'm going to give up my rights for yours, Jesus, so that your word can be preached. The second strategy is we find common ground. Paul says this, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Paul, did, Paul wasn't really um, arrogant about, I'm going, to, I'm going to find common ground with everybody, and everybody's going to save. He said, just to, just to save some. Whoever Paul was around, he was like those people. To the Jew, he followed the laws of the Jew so that he could make a connection with them so that they could come to Christ. To the Gentile, he didn't follow the laws of the Jew. He followed their, their, their lifestyle so that he can see those come to Christ. In the 1990s, there was this mass effort to distribute this film called the Jesus Film throughout the world. You might have remembered this. And, and it was a film that basically shared the gospel message. I had a buddy named Jim who went to Mongolia for like two and a half months, and every day their job was to show the film. They went into schools. They went into anywhere where they would be welcome to show this Jesus film in Mongolia. And he told me that every single night he, they would go to different host people's homes and show the film. Now, Jim came from a family of alcoholism. So Jim was a guy who was adamant against drinking alcohol. He just, he just would not touch alcohol because of the alcoholism in his family. It was a commitment he had made. What he told me that when he went into these homes in Mongolia, the first thing that the host would do is pull out a bottle of vodka. And um, if you did not drink the vodka that was offered to you, you would offend the owner of the home. And so in order for them to see the Jesus film... He, he drank vodka. He said even there were some nights he felt like he stumbled out of people's homes after sharing Jesus with them because the amount of vodka that was pushed on him. Jim was a guy who, who hated alcohol. It was, it was a commitment in his life to be, to be free of alcohol because of the, the, the alcoholism that ran in his family. But in order to, to share Jesus with a certain group of people, he subjected himself to drinking alcohol so that 
the word of God, the gospel message would go out. There's some freedom in that. Just like Paul, if we're going to, if we're going to have a goal for people to come to Jesus, if our strategy is to become a slave and find common ground with people, we need to have a commitment. And here's, here's what, when I read this, here's what I thought. Paul is walking a fine line. You're walking a fine line if you say, I'm going to choose to have common ground with people so that they can come to Jesus. It's a razor's edge. So the commitment is this. Here's the razor's edge. If, if you look at what Paul's doing, he's saying, in your lifestyle, I'm going to jump in with your lifestyle and be and do what you do so that Jesus can, you can meet Jesus. In your lifestyle, I'm going to do this so that you can meet Jesus. That may cause Paul to do or, or, or be a person that could, to the church, can look like, oh, that guy's walking a fine line. And when we choose to do that, we will walk a fine line. So you have this razor's edge, and we're walking this razor's edge. Let me show you the two sides of the edge, okay? The first side is the side that maybe you grew up in, the side that I grew up in. And it's the side that is this rigid, staunch, Christian, Bible-beating side of, of the razor. And it's, it's, the, it's the attitude of, we will do what we do, and when people come into our church, they need to conform to what we are so that they can meet Jesus and be a Christian. How many of you guys have been to churches like that? Yeah, like you come in and, and, oh, you know, you really need to have a tie on, brother, because Christians wear ties on Sundays. I grew up in this church like this. My mom got into this severe car accident where the people who saw the accident, she smoked a tree, just wrapped the car around a tree at 60 miles an hour. The people that saw the accident told us later, they said, don't go near the car, the person's dead. She hit it that hard. She got in this severe car accident. She spent weeks in the hospital, got out of the hospital, had, you know, broken bones all over her body, was in a wheelchair in our home. I was probably like 8 or 10 or 12 years old, in our home in a wheelchair for weeks. My, my aunt went to the store and bought my mom this, this, I don't know what you would call it, because I don't think, I don't know if we have them anymore, but it's like matching sweat outfit. But it was like this, you know, like this nice blue color with, you know, some trim on it. Trim. <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy trying to describe women's clothes. But you understand what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was, it was like she went to like a Macy's to buy this for my, for my mom. And it was, you know, it was, it was sweatpants and a sweatshirt basically, but it was very nice. My mom wore it to church and she got reprimanded by some of the women in the church for wearing pants to church on a Sunday morning. Here's a woman who had, she had stitches all through her legs, broken bones, you know, wearing casts on her arms, and she wore a sweater. And, she, and somebody made a comment like, you know, you really should wear a dress when you come into to God's house. So this, this is one side of the edge. And the edge says that you will meet Jesus by coming and conforming to what we are, because we're the Christians. And the mistake we make when we're on that side of the edge is we say this. When a person doesn't come to Jesus, we say, well, they're just denying, they're denying the gospel. I guess they're going to go to hell. We never equate that. Well, we are weird. We're, we're a whole different culture from when you walk outside the door, and these people don't want anything to do with us because they can't relate to us. So that's one side of the edge. The other side of the edge says this. I'm going to be so culturally relevant that it's a free-for-all. I can do anything I want in order that maybe this person, because they somewhere along the road will know that I'm a Christian, will, will join and become a Christian and, and come meet Jesus. But we become so culturally relevant that we never actually preach the gospel, do we? On both sides of the, both sides of the, the edge, 
the gospel can, can be forgotten because we're so worried about on this side about what we look like and how we act and how we talk and, and what you, your appearance is that the gospel doesn't get preached. On this end, we become so just culturally relevant that we've watered everything down to where the gospel never gets preached. So when we walk this rager's edge, we choose to say, I am gonna, I'm going to relate to people in the world on their terms so that I can share the gospel. And you know what that might mean? Hold on to your panties, some of you. It might mean that you go to a bar and have a beer with a friend because that's, that's what he does. And you go and you say, I'm going to have a beer with this guy in order to share Jesus with this guy. But what the razor's edge says is, I won't get drunk with the guy. I'm not going to, you know, just get stupid with the guy because then now I've entered into sin. You understand this razor's edge I'm talking about? And this is what Paul did. So Paul, Paul when he was with the Jews, he, he followed the rules, the staunch rules of the, of the Jewish culture that they were still holding on to, even though he was free from it, in order to relate to them. When he was with the Gentiles who had no rules, no spiritual rules, no biblical rules, no, no religious rules, he did what they did. But I don't believe Paul ever entered into an, an area of sin because he, because he had this commitment. This is the commitment he had. And you can find it in verse 12. He says this, I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. I just want to read the whole, the whole verse real quick. 21, not 12, I'm sorry. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. So you see this, this edge he's walking on? He's willing to be to all people, all things, so that some would come to Christ. But he, he, he always, in front of him, upholds the cross and, and the law of God for him. Now, for us, here's what that might mean. That might mean that for you, because you have alcoholism in your family or because you have, had, you are, have been an alcoholic, you, you can't go have that beer with that friend because that's going to drag you into a place you, you don't need to go. And so you have to choose that your razor's edge says, I can't do that, but I, I don't have to, I don't have to um, yeah. condemn, thank you, my friend, because he does choose to have a beer. This is, this is the Romans 14 that I love so much, saying, for some it, it, it may be a sin, for others it's not. But you have, to, you have to determine that. Your commitment to God, your commitment to Christ, may look different than the commitment of the guy sitting next to you right now, or the or female sitting next to you. But you walk that edge and you say, I will not disobey the laws of Christ, the law of God. And, and, and for, some, for, a lot, for all of us, let me just say it this way, it's, there's certain things that are just a given, right? Like I'm not going to go and, and go to a strip club and sleep with the strippers so that my buddy can know Jesus. We're not, none of us can do that, okay? You just can't do it. I'm just telling you, don't, you can't do it, you know? I had this really cheesy one where it was like, women, you know, in order to share Jesus with your girlfriend, you don't go to the, the mall with her and shop and, and, you know, blow your credit card up just so she can meet Jesus. That, I thought, that's cheesy. That's terrible. I mean, the beer one worked, the, the credit card one. But maybe that's true. Maybe you struggle with, you struggle with spending and you don't budget your money and, and you, you max out credit cards. You've got you to gotta determine for yourself what, what is the edge that you can't fall off of. Does that make sense? I think it's good. 
No, you don't have to clap. <laughs> Not that good. So, so, so Paul chooses to be all things to all people, be relevant to all people, meet people on their terms, where they're at, speak their language, speak their culture, so that they can meet Jesus. And that's a core value for, for Branches Vineyard Church. That's, that's, why, that's why we turned the volume up a few months ago. You know, when we turned the volume up, we had more people complain about turning the volume up than anything else in the world. And we, we kind of laughed about it because, first of all, we're like 20-something decibels under where you would even start to have hearing damage. We got a basket full of earplugs in the back, so if the volume's too loud, there's earplugs on the back thing for you, and you can put them in, and nobody will ever know. But last night I watched football, and people were screaming and yelling, and in between plays they put loud music on, and everybody is into the vibe, and it's an awesome thing. But we walk into church and we complain because we're running a decibel level of 82. But on Friday night at the high school, you can't hear yourself think. At the bar, Tom, because of the drummer, you can't hear yourself think. And that's cool. That's okay. In your car, when you turn your car on right now, I promise you it's, it's a decibel level, if you, especially at teenagers. You can't hear but you come into church and, oh, my goodness, it's a little loud in here. I almost felt the bass. <laughs> we didn't do it for you Christians. We did it for the people that want to get fill the bass. They want to say this Christian lifestyle is something to grab a hold of. We want to be relevant to the people outside these walls. Does that make sense? I'm just winging it at this point, guys. <laughs> I'm done with my notes. <laughs> Let's just wrap it up. Let's call it good. Stand up. It's a, it's a holiday weekend. We, we don't have to go the distance. Here's what Paul said. We have to show the last slide because Mara made it. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. He's culturally relevant. He, he, he connects with people where they're at. Hold on a second. Got to give Davis. We are, we are stand shorts. That makes sense. We need stands. Buy us some stands, somebody. <laughs> he, 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 he relates to people. I love the fact, here's, here's what I love about the vineyard. When I came to the vineyard, I had been in, in different churches, different ministry, and there were certain requirements to be in ministry that aren't in the Bible. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of churches that there's requirements to, to serve in the church or to be a pastor or, or to be a youth worker that aren't in the Bible. And when I came to the vineyard and I found that, oh, the requirement is, oh, first God called you? Oh, that's a pretty good requirement. Or that you're, you're gifted? Oh, that's another good one. And, and I saw that people could come into church. The beautiful story, beautiful story. I'll wrap with this. Not even, not even planned. I've told this story. I had this friend named Jeremy. Jeremy gets out of prison for cooking meth, okay? Gets out of prison for cooking meth. Him and his wife get out close to the same time, living with mom and dad, Mom says, if you're going to live with me, I'm living with mom, if you're going to live with me, you have to go to church. They go to church for three weeks. He said for three weeks, not one person said a word to them. He said the closest somebody said to him is the pastor walked by and said, how you doing? And just kept walking. And he said the final Sunday, they had a, 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 a breakfast or a lunch after church. So they went down in the basement where all the tables were set up. 
they purposely sat in the very center seat, center table. He said the, the lunch went on. Everybody sat and all filled up all the tables. Him and his wife sat there. Nobody came and talked to them or nothing. He said, I'm done going to church. Jeremy walked, his mom said, go, go one more week. Go to the vineyard. If, if you have the same experience, I, I'll, I won't bug you about going to church. He walked into the vineyard in Syracuse. Guy, the guy is like 400 pounds, tattooed all over Mike, He has scary tattoos, not just cool tattoos, scary ones, you know, like demons on his neck and stuff that freaks me out, you know. And, and he walks in the church, and a businessman who, who, who is a prominent businessman in the area meets him and says, hey, I'm so-and-so. Let me get you a donut. Get some a donut, cup of coffee. Come sit with me. And they sit in service. Jeremy gets saved, gets baptized in November in, in Syracuse Lake. The cold water is in November. And is on fire for God. I saw Jeremy just a couple weeks ago. Still loves Jesus. And, and that's what I love about the culture that the Vineyard Church is. is and some of you guys know Jeremy and you, and you know the story. The culture says, we don't care what your background is. We care about Jesus in your life. We care about what Jesus is making you. Come as you are. Jesus will let Jesus make the changes. We don't, we're not going to tell you how to dress, how to, how to do your thing. We're going to tell you love Jesus. We're going to tell you love God, and we're going to walk that with you. That's what I love about, about the values of what Vineyard is, is that we're always about just loving people and, and meeting people where they're at. So, so I'll close in prayer, and then we'll let somebody else who's, who has some thoughts take it over since I've been rambling. So, Jesus, you are the one that is our goal, that we, people come and meet you. God, you are the one. Lord, we exist so that, so that people who do not know you can meet you. That is our job, Lord. That is, that is why we exist. We exist to see the people in Warsaw that don't know you, that would not walk into another church, that don't, don't have any idea of what to do when they're looking for an answer. We exist so that, so that, so that you could be made known. And God, so our commitment, and we commit this as a, as a body right now, our commitment is to, is to not be stuffy. Our commitment's not to, to pray in a language that was spoken 300 years ago. Our commitment's not to, to dress different than what somebody would dress at a restaurant in our, in our city. Our commitment is to, is to be and connect with the people, find common ground with the people of Warsaw. Lord, but our commitment is to, is to love you and, and bring other people to you. So God, would you honor that commitment and would you, would you make this place known, make Branches Vineyard Church know, known in, in Warsaw as a place where anybody can show up, as a place where, where you come just as you are. You don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to look or talk or speak or act or, or smell a certain way. We're anybody could come. And would you make that known because the people sitting in this room are committed to finding common ground with people not connected to you, to finding common ground to sharing who Jesus is to people that, that are, facing, are faith, facing your wrath. Would you have us take that serious to know that, that we are your representation here on earth? So God, that's my commitment. I pray that's the commitment of everybody here. And I, and I, I just say, Lord, Lord, work in us. Just constantly work in our hearts to make us the people that, that you, you want us to be. We want to be your church. In Jesus' name.
Right now, we're going to enter into this time where